Hi, my name's Ryan Perry. I'm the pastor at Seneca Baptist Church, and we are so thankful that you're joining us in this online resource. Our prayer for you is that this resource would not replace your active involvement in a local body of Christ, but would rather be supplemental to it. If you are interested in getting further connected to the ministry of Seneca Baptist Church or to giving financially, please visit our website, SenecaBaptist.org. Thank you and enjoy. It's encouraging to me that there is an endeavor that God's people can participate in that cannot fail. Are you with me, church? If we will choose to join God in what He's doing, we can't fail. The church, the church, capital C church, little c churches and congregations, they might pass away, they might close their doors, they might die, but the capital C church will never fail. It's alive and well. This morning, I, I want to speak to the church. I want to speak to you, church family, the flock here at Seneca Baptist. And, and if you're a guest with us today, we're so thankful that you're here. Um, but I, I want you to know that I'm, I'm talking to my people. And if you're a guest with us, you get to hear what Seneca Baptist is about. So thank you for being here today. We want you here because we believe that God is doing great things here. Um, as, I, as I start, I want you to grab your Bibles. I want you to go open to Romans chapter 10. And I'm going to read 1 to 17 in just a few minutes. And as you're turning there, I want to give you a brief update on the family. Uh, many of you have asked how my family is. My family's well. Uh, the worst thing that we have right now is the symptom of stir-crazy. Uh, that's what our family's got right now, stir-crazy. Um, but everybody will be set free from quarantine tomorrow. And so watch out, world. Watch out. Uh, but it, it, we are all well. I am so thankful to be with you today. So thankful to worship with you. So thankful to preach God's Word to you. And I'm glad to be here. Um, are you there with me in Romans chapter 10, verses 1 to 17? Uh, there is a... There's a verse at the beginning of the book of Romans. Maybe you've heard it before. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to everyone who believes, the Jew first and then the Gentile. Do you believe that, church family? Amen? Amen. Hope you do. Listen, as you walk in, with purpose, as you walk in, when we renovated our sanctuary after the tornado, you walk in and you see our mission statement on the wall. And it says, Seneca Baptist Church exists to help every person become a more devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, I have a confession to make. That is for me. Because 
Every day I wake up, and this morning at 5.45, I built a fire, and I had wet wood. Have you ever tried to build a fire with wet wood? And I stared at that smoldering, smoking fire, and I just began to get sad. Because I said, Father, that's a picture of me. And I don't want to be that. My wood's wet, Lord. But what I saw after about 30 minutes of fiddling with it and fooling with it and feeding it is the fire began to blaze and consume and warm. And it was beautiful. I said, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to be, Lord Jesus. Maybe you're with me there today. That mission statement that we exist to help every person become a more devoted disciple of Jesus is for me. And it's for those outside of our church who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And it is for you. None of us are as devoted disciples as we want to be. Amen? It doesn't say so you can be perfect. It says so you can be a more devoted disciple of Jesus. And then we say to ourselves, well, how do I do that? How do I do that? Well, we do that here at Seneca Baptist. We help every person become a more devoted disciple of Jesus Christ with three things. We declare the gospel. We disciple the believer. And we deploy the church. We declare the gospel, we disciple the believer, and we deploy the church. And so over the next few weeks, I want to spend time talking about what it means to declare the gospel, disciple the believer, and deploy the church. And so as I start, as I introduce our time today, as I introduce the Word of God, I want to start out by asking you a question. How many people... When you get to heaven, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When you get to heaven, how many people do you believe will be in heaven as a result of trusting Jesus because you declared the gospel to them? How many, how many people... Did you share the gospel with? Did you declare the gospel to in 2020? Ryan, that's unfair. 2020 was a train wreck from beginning to end. That's unfair. Okay, well, add 2019 onto it. How many people did you declare the gospel to? And if you're like me, are you okay? With the, that level of disobedience in your life. I'm not. Your pastor is convicted. That he has missed opportunities. Squandered opportunities. Wasted opportunities.
And I'm not okay with that disobedience in my life. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I believe we feel the conviction that comes from your Holy Spirit right now. Would you help us to know what to do with it? We, you are disciplining those who belong to you right now. Would you help us to be transformed through the reading of your word by the power of your Holy Spirit today that we might be more like Jesus. We pray in your name. And everybody said, Amen. Now in Seneca Baptist Church, we honor the reading of God's word by standing. So would you stand with me to honor the reading of God's word? I'm going to be reading from Romans chapter 10, verses 1 to 17. It says, My brothers... My heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law of righteousness, excuse me, the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law. But that or the person who does the commandments shall live by them. Verse 6. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with the heart that one believes and is justified. It's with the mouth that one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call upon Him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Can somebody say amen? How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. But they've not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who's believed what he's heard from us? Verse 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Please be seated. I want you to see four things out of this text today. As we talk about declaring the gospel, I want you to see four things. The first thing I want you to see is that we want every person to become a more devoted disciple of Jesus. It's right there in the text. Look at verse 1. It says in verse 1, My heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Is that your heart for people? We say amen. Okay, a couple of people said amen. I want you to ask you a question. I'm going to make this personal for you. When you think about people in our nation who disagree with you theologically and politically, 
What, what does that do in your heart when you think about that group of people, whether it's this group over here or that group over there? When you think of them, whoever them is and whoever that category of people are, what does it do in your heart? I was convicted earlier in 2020. I was grieved over the political state of our country. Anybody else been there? Amen, somebody. All right. Grieved over it. I remember one day just being literally nauseous to my stomach. And, and there, were, <laughs> there were a couple dark months in 2020. Liz would look at me occasionally and say, Ryan, you need to come off the ledge. You need to come back down off the ledge. I was building a bunker in my backyard, you know what I mean? There were some dark times, and then I felt God whisper to me, Ryan, I remember it, it's not political, it's spiritual. Your heart, Ryan, has the wrong desire. You want a political solution to a spiritual problem. Do you hear me, church family? Make no mistake... Our country is where it is because the church has failed at accomplishing the Great Commission. Our country isn't this way because of lost people. Lost people, guess what? They're going to act like lost people. Surprise. The country is like it is for two reasons. Number one, the church has failed to declare the gospel. Or, when we declare the gospel... The, the people that we're declaring the gospel to don't believe it because our lives don't affirm it. We say one thing with our mouth and live a life that disagrees. And the second reason that our country is the way that it is is because the church has failed to disciple every believer to think like Christ and to live like Christ. The weight's on me as a church leader. The church has been so focused on the wrong solutions to the wrong problems. The solution of, of our state, our decrepit state as a nation, is not found in politics or policies or programs. The solution is, listen to me, is when God's church regains a brokenness over lostness and a passion to declare the only message of salvation to those who are lost. That's the solution. And we want to help everyone that we've declared the gospel to and they've trusted in Jesus. We want to help them become more like Jesus Christ. I want you to think about it this way. What if every one of us, I, there are probably 75 people in here today. We've got a couple hundred in our church. Let's just say there are 15,000 Christians in Oconee County. Might or might not be. And let's just say there are a million of them in the state of South Carolina. What if every one of those people declared the gospel to one person, saw that one person trust Christ, and then that person discipled that new believer in the faith? What would that do to our city? What would that do to our state? Let me tell you something, church family. We would not have problems on 
politics in our state next go-around. You're looking at me like I've got two heads. What if every believer in the United States of America made one disciple? You'd see things go different in four years. The statistics say that, that there are 350,000 plus people that have died from COVID. I want you to understand that 80% of those people are likely going to spend it in eternity separated from the mercy of God, under the wrath of God, in a place called hell. I, I need you to understand the urgency behind the gospel. That, that's why Seneca Baptist Church is open right now. That's, that's why we're going to do everything that we can do to stay open as long as we can. And if we can't meet inside, guess where we're going to meet? Outside. I'll preach in front of the church again. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And I want every person to become a more devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. And if we can't meet in churches, you can come to my house. There has never been a greater need to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to dying people. And guess what? We're all dying of something sooner or later. I know some of you right now are arguing with me. You're just doing it silently. Well, pastor, we live in a different world. Nobody cares. They don't care about God. They don't care about the gospel. Right. You want to know why? They're lost. You didn't care about God or His gospel either until He saved you. Come on now, somebody. Are you awake out there? They don't care. That's why we need to tell them why they should care. But our nation, they don't want spiritual things. Have you thought that lately? It's not true. Let me tell you something. I want you to hear me very quickly, clearly. The world, the nation, does not want the kind of worthless religion that much of the church is offering. But if they knew that there was a God that they could know and a relationship that they could have, if there was eternity that they could spend with Christ, they'd want it. Do you know the statistics say that, that our nation is less religious yet more spiritual than it's ever been? They're interested in spiritual things, but for some reason they just don't want what we have to offer. Which brings me to my next point. You'll see it in this scripture. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody knows how to get there. I want you to look at verse 2. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. 
They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Verse 3, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Do you hear what Paul's saying? They want to go to heaven. They have zeal, but they don't know how. Ryan, we live in a Christian nation. That's not true of our nation anymore. Let me read you some statistics. I know that not everybody likes statistics, so bear with me for a minute. Within five miles of Seneca Baptist Church, here are the statistics for our community. 23% believe that everyone and everything is God. Five miles of our church. This is not Seattle or the Pacific Northwest. This is not uh, some big city. This is Seneca, South Carolina. Or if you're from here, Seneca, South Carolina. 23% of people believe that everyone and everything is God. 40% believe that, that God is in nature or that he is, there are spirits in nature. 14% don't believe in God at all. 50% don't believe that Jesus requires a relationship with Jesus, requires church participation. 45% of people don't believe that Jesus is the only way of salvation. And over 25% of people within five miles of Seneca Baptist Church have no religious affiliation whatsoever. Is that shocking to you? Everybody wants to go to heaven. They just don't know how to get there. And those statistics reveal to me that a majority of our neighbors believe in some kind of God. They would want to go to heaven if they could, but only a small minority believe that Jesus is the only way of salvation, which reveals to me that there are fields within five miles of our church building that are white for the harvest. They are ripe for the picking. Only somebody's got to get in the field and work. Are you following with me, church family? There are people right here in this church today that they want to they go to heaven. And you might even believe that you are going to heaven. But in, instead of trusting in Jesus, you're trying to get to heaven your own way. Just like Paul said. I want to finish reading all the way down to verse 7. It says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. Moses talks about how you can have some level of righteousness by obedience to the law, but that level of righteousness will never save you. Verse 6, But the righteousness based on faith says, Don't say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. I want you to understand that, that Paul right here is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 30, where he, Moses is laying out a, a choice to the people. He says there's two choices in front, or one choice in front of you. You can, have, you can choose life, or you can choose death. You can choose a blessing, or you can choose the curse. But the choice is yours. The choice is yours. And that's exactly what Paul's saying. He says, you don't need to ascend to heaven to get to this choice. You don't need to go down into hell to get to this choice. It's near to you. It's in your mouth. It's on your lips. 
He says the choice is before you. It's right here. It's near to you. I want you to understand today that there are lots of people really close to our church. We don't have to travel to the deepest, darkest jungles of somewhere else to meet people who don't know how to get to heaven. There are people in our community that don't know how to get to heaven. Third thing I want you to see in this text is that the Bible offers a simple message of confession and belief. A simple message of confession and belief. Did you know that salvation is simple? It's so simple that even a child can do it. And Jesus actually instructs us over and over again. He says, it's not, it's not about being an adult in the kingdom of God. It's like being a, you need to be like a child. It's childlike faith that saves. We've, we've made salvation so difficult at times. But the Bible says that being saved is as simple as confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, and you will be saved. It's a message of confession and belief. It's so simple. Here's how simple it is. God created us to be in a relationship with Him, but our sin separates us from Him and deserves a just punishment. You can't fix this problem because you're not perfect. So, Jesus came to live a perfect life, to take your punishment by dying a sinner's death, and to give you peace in your relationship to God. He was raised on the third day to prove that He is who He says He is, and He did what He said He would do. And to give you eternal life from the moment that you confess and trust in Jesus. As simple as can be. So simple. There are some of you right here today who have never trusted in Jesus. You're trying, you're working, you're doing the best that you can to be a good person. You're going to church, you're reading your Bible, you're praying, you're serving, you're doing all of these things, but you've never simply confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior and believed that God raised Him from the dead for you. So maybe that's you today and you need to trust Jesus by confessing Him as Lord and Savior and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. That's what you might need to do today. It's confession and faith. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Just think. I just am amazed at the wonder of what God has done for you and me. Have you ever sat back and thought to yourself, how in the world could God love a sinner like me? Have you, ever, have you ever thought to yourself, God, if you knew the secrets of my heart, you wouldn't have done it. Newsflash, he does know the secrets of your heart, and he still did it. He knew everything that you would do, everything that you are doing, everything that we wouldn't do and everything that we're not doing. And He knew everything, every way that you'd fail Him in the future too. And still, Jesus Christ left heaven to come to earth for you and for me.
the wonder of the cross blows me away. The beauty of the cross is that it doesn't just save me from my past, but it sanctifies me. It makes me more like Jesus today. It will never lose its power. I love that. It reaches to the highest, flows to the lowest valley. Aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus permeates every little valley of the wicked heart inside of you and I? It's so simple. And because of that simple message, the last thing I want you to see in this text today is we are privileged declarers of the gospel. I want you to look at verse 11. The scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Paul's quoting Isaiah 28. He says there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call him. Verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that good news? What a great promise. What do I have to do to be saved? Call on Him. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart, God raised Him from the dead, and you will be saved. Call on Him. Verse 14, but how will they call on Him? in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they've never heard? Well, Ryan, that can't be true, can it? Not in our world, not in our day. I mean, the church has been around for 2,000 years. Hasn't every corner of the globe heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? And the answer is no. In fact, the United States of America is becoming one of the most unreached people groups in the entire world. Did you know that missionaries are being sent from other countries to our nation to evangelize us? To plant churches in this Christian nation? 2.2 billion people are unevangelized in our world in 2020. 2.2 billion people with a B. Is that overwhelming to you? So how can one little church like Seneca Baptist do that? We can't. But what we can do is there are people that God has planted within five miles of our church who don't know how to get to heaven. And we can tell them. I don't know about going to any other country in the days ahead. I don't know that we're going to be allowed out of this one. But one thing I do know is that I can travel across the street and across the town. I can't make a commitment to preach the gospel to the ends of the world, but we can make a commitment to declare the gospel within five miles of Oconee, or in five miles of Seneca Baptist Church right here in Oconee County. That's a goal. We could do something like that. Churches in Oconee County could do something like that. We are privileged declarers of the gospel. How are they to believe in Him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? 
And how are they to preach unless they're sent? Charles Spurgeon, one of the great preachers of church history, he said it this way. He said, have you no desire for other people to be saved? He said, then you're not saved yourself. He said, it's the whole responsibility of the whole church to preach the whole gospel to the whole world. We must, in these days, we must be bold and we must get creative with how we declare the gospel. Why? Guess what? People aren't flooding the doors of our churches, but the church can leave the building. Elvis has left the building. It's time for the church to also. We, we got to have greater concerns than safety or freedom or political correctness. In these days, there is something far more eternal. It's the souls of men and women that we're fighting for. And if, as, as uh, somebody once said, if they're going to go to hell, they're going to go to hell by climbing over my dead body to get there. We have the privilege of declaring the only message of eternal life. The only message that can change a life. The only message that can save a life. And the only message that could ever change America. You know what could make America great again? It's Jesus. Let me read a a quote by a prominent pastor of our day. He says, I'm a hundred times more passionate about creating Christians and churches that will be faithful, biblical, and countercultural and spiritually minded in a socialist America or a Muslim America or a communist America than I am preventing a Muslim or communist America. He says, my main calling is not to help America be anything, but to help the church be the church. I, let me just confess, I have no idea what the next few years look like. I don't know what tomorrow looks like. I don't know what this afternoon looks like. Can I get an amen from somebody? It's hard. It's hard. As I read the Bible... What I know is the Bible says it's going to get worse before Jesus comes back. And I believe that Jesus is coming back. I believe that in the day he returns, it's going to be a great and terrifying day. I don't know what it looks like, but understand this, my dear flock, my people, those whom I love so much, God knows what he's doing. He has not abdicated his authority in this world that we live in. But the church has abdicated her responsibility. He is still as in control as he ever has been. 
No matter what happens in our country, God's end game has never changed. That everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord would be saved. That 2 Peter 3.9 is true. That God wishes that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. That is his end goal. And at the end of days, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord in heaven and on earth and under the earth. His end goal has not changed no matter what happens here. And I love my country, and I don't want to see it go down some of these roads, but if that's the road that it takes for us to get to be the people that he wants me to be, I'll walk that road as long as Jesus is in front of me. He wants every person to have the opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel, and that's where we fit in. As our world grows more tumultuous, God is preparing the fields for revival. And harvest. I want you to know that the light of the gospel shines brightest in the darkness. And I believe there's dark days ahead. And it wouldn't matter which candidate we had going into the office. Doesn't matter who you voted for. I believe there are dark days ahead. But I believe that the church has the opportunity to shine brightly as a city on a hill. But it's time. It's time, dear church, to move on and move forward. It's time, dear church, to advance the gospel anyway. To advance no matter what the obstacles are. To declare the gospel. To disciple the believer. And to deploy the church. Today, my commitment to you is I'm more fervent, more passionate, more adamant than ever to get into my community. Let me share with you a couple ways that we're going to do that this year. I'm done preaching. In, in April, Seneca Baptist Church is going to forgo an Easter egg hunt. And, and we're going to have a, a one-year anniversary service of a tornado that hit our county, our city. We've, we've got the um, South Carolina singing churchmen that are going to be here leading us in worship. We've got the city on board. We're going to cook a meal. Hot dogs. Who doesn't like a hot dog? We're going to have it outside. We're going to share the gospel through song, through testimony, and through preaching. We're going to honor some people in our community for their service to our community. But we're going to do it so that we make much of the name of Jesus. I will honor another person if it'll draw a crowd to hear the gospel. And so April chapter 12, you April chapter 12. <laughs> April 12th, you guys go ahead and pray for sun. 6 to 8 p.m. We need you here. At Christmas, we've already asked the city if we can have a live nativity. 
downtown with all the other stuff? We've got a tentative yes. Pray for that. Because we want to put Bible characters around the live nativity who were walking around sharing Jesus with people. Do you know how many thousands of people come downtown every, every night? What if every one of them received the gospel via declaration of the mouth and tract in their hand? We've got trail life coming up. It's a way that we're declaring the gospel and discipling the believer. I've already made contacts with uh, an organization called Celebrate Recovery, which is a Christian 12-step program about what it would look like for Seneca Baptist Church to host a 12-step program. And I've got somebody who would like to lead it, and if you'd like to help with that, let me know. Because people need the Lord Jesus. We've got a pastor in the back of our church today, a pastor and his family, who's planting uh, a congregation, a Hispanic congregation. Pastor Edson is here, and you're going to hear from him over the, past, uh, the next couple weeks that he's going to share with you about how LaRocca Ministries is going to declare the gospel and disciple the believer and deploy the church in Oconee County and across the world. I ain't backing down, church family. Do you hear me? It's not time to back down. It's time to advance. When I get to heaven, I'm going to be held accountable for what I did with my time. And your pastor let 20, the end of 2020 slip by. And for that, I'm ashamed. But I don't want to let, let another day slip by. I don't know if it will ever benefit our church, but it will. That we seek to benefit the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. And all the other stuff will be added to you. I haven't spoken to you in so long. I just want to keep going. You might say, well, I don't know how to do that. I feel inadequate or ill-equipped to share the gospel, or dis- declare the gospel, or disciple a believer with somebody. I want you to know on Wednesday night, starting in February, February 3rd, we're going to begin meals back together on Wednesday nights at 5 o'clock. We're going to do everything that we can to keep you guys safe. Packaged, prepackaged meals. We're having them catered in. Best deal you'll ever have, a catered meal for 5 bucks for one person. $15 for your family. We're going to have children's activities of music and missions. We're going to disciple the next generation and teach them about missions. And I'm going to teach you theology for the church. So that you can know not just what you believe, but why you believe what you believe. So that we're ready to declare the gospel when it's time. we got great stuff ahead of us. I pray that you'd join us in this journey. I have no idea how to close right now, Tom. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask if you would uh, you'd stand with me. We're going to close right now in prayer. Miss Margaret, would you play behind us? Would you stand with me? There might be some of you, as you're standing up, there might be some of you, you need Jesus. I'm not going to have a time of invitation, but I want to invite you to come see me in just a minute. I'm going to be standing right over here, and I want to I walk with you through what it means to be saved. You need Jesus if you want to go to heaven. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Trust Jesus today. But I want all of us, if you're a member of Seneca Baptist Church or you're on the road to becoming one, I want you to commit that 2021 would be the year of declaring the gospel. Be a year where I'm not afraid. It'd be a year where I have no excuses. Would you bow with me? Would you pray? Would you make that commitment? If you want to come down, you can do that as I pray. You can stand right there. You can lift up your hands, but let's pray together. Father, your word is clear. Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. God, we believe that. We believe that your gospel has never changed. We believe that it's as clear today as it was 2,000 years ago. We believe, we believe, God, that no one comes to the Father except through Christ. And we want to see our nation turn to you. We, we want to see our community experience revival. We want to see people trust Christ. My family needs you. Father, and I pray right now that your church here, your capital C, true church, everybody who's got Jesus Christ in their hearts as Lord and Savior, that you would lead us to stand up, to stop getting distracted by politics and to start focusing on the gospel. Help us, Lord. People are dying and going to hell. And we want to be faithful to the Great Commission. Some of us, we need to confess that we've not been. Forgive us, Lord. Father, if your strength doesn't do it, if your Holy Spirit doesn't give us boldness, if your Holy Spirit doesn't give us the words to say, then we'll never. So we need you, Lord. Make your church shine brightly in these days, in both word and deed. Ah uh...
I'm lost without you. Word says, the uh, song says, I'm desperate for you. I'm lost without you. Father, we need you. Father, come and fill us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.